just just to kind of brief you guys on what's going on in my life it's really really weird uh last week um our visa got rejected in in hong kong and so we had to leave the country and so we're back in the u.s um we're appealing the decision hopefully we can get back into hong kong because we uh man we just we want to be there we we got to see um you know, the Lord plant three churches, you know, just house gatherings, probably 15, 20 people each. And me and Justin and Peter, my son-in-laws, uh, you know, we're each leading one in our, in our homes. And then suddenly we realized we got to go. And, you know, Justin had to leave first, but he had discipled a guy well, and he, he was good to go. And then me and Peter are like, man, we got like two weeks and then we have to go. And we just want to leave the church in this sustainable place. And so we're looking at these young guys going, you guys ready? Um, we're going to be taken off in two weeks and we don't know if they'll let us back. And, uh, and the guys are looking at me going, no, we're not ready. And I said, okay, let me just share two thoughts with you. First, the Apostle Paul would go to a city and he'd be there for like three weeks, okay? And they'd never even heard the name of Jesus. And he leaves after leading him to the Lord after a few weeks. For, and they have no Bible, no resource. How did they do it? All they had was the Holy Spirit. And so are you really not prepared well enough? Some of you guys have been Christians for years and you've been discipled and you have your Bible and you don't feel like you're ready. Is that really what this is about? You don't have enough information or you don't have enough faith because somehow they did it. I mean, I think it was the Thessalonian church it was only two or three weeks that Paul was there and it became a powerful church because they received the word with power. And, you know, he's going, man, what did they know? And what did they do? But they did it. And then I said, the second thing I want to say to you guys is in Ephesians 4, you know, it calls for these apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and, and shepherds. And I go, I'm not asking you to do everything. Um, I'm just saying shepherd these people. And there are key guys that will have gifts like this for the body at large. You just do your part. And, and I said, don't put too much pressure because that, that's what I felt my whole life is I just felt like, oh, man, I'm not as smart as this guy. I'm not as good of a leader as this guy. Um, you know, I'm not as a successful evangelist like this guy. Um, I don't even shepherd people that well. You know, I just kind of have this prophetic gift. You know, but then you start just feeling like I can't be a pastor. And I go, we're putting way much, way too much pressure on ourselves. Um, we've created this title of pastor and made it like he's everything. And don't put that on yourself. And I start pointing out guys from the different gatherings. I go, this guy will be here. This guy will be here. This guy will be here. So this guy's brilliant. You got questions, go to him. You know, here's the evangelist. Here's the apostolic leader. You just take care of your people. And remember, like they did it in the power of the Holy Spirit back then. And by the time I was done talking, they're like, 
let's go. We're ready. Move already. Go back. Um, and it's just been, it was really cool because that went way, way, way faster than we expected. Um, but now I'm going, wow, Lord, I think if I stay too long, that might have hurt the church. Um, now, I believe God's going to have me go back, um, but I think it's a great season for them to be pushed and stretched and go, I'm going to go in the power of the Spirit, and, and I've got this. Um, I've got more equipping than that early church did, and I've got so much resource online, um, so much knowledge already, and I have the scriptures right before me. Like, I have a huge advantage I just need to have the faith that they had had back then in the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, I don't know, it was just refreshing to me to, to think about how, how strong that, that early church was, and yet how we would just call them really ill-equipped. Um, but there was this faith. And I think it's, it's like what Jesus told his disciples. He goes, man, it's, it's going to be to your advantage that I go away. You have no idea how much power is about to come to you. And I think we forget that. We just, we just get caught up um, in a worldly system. And I think, uh, you know, most of us were brought up in, in churches where we really did run them like a business. And we were looking for those gifted people and and that's how we attracted people. And But one of the things I, I felt like the Lord put on my heart to share was, uh, yeah, there's a couple things. Let me back up. I want to say, man, a month ago when we realized this was really going to happen, um, remember there's 12 of us out there. It's, you know, me and with, with uh bunch of kids, grandkids, son-in-laws, and, and we're realizing we're going to get split up in different parts of the world again, and we're going to be leaving this place, and we're praying. We're bummed out a little bit, just a little bit, you know, because we just loved it there, and we really created like a family. Like, I love these people, and um, I mean, they're at my house all the time. I mean, it was just like, we were just a gang, and, and we loved being together, and um, and the people were learning about people from different socioeconomic groups, you know, like there's this, you know, group of street kids, you know, that kind of banded together and were discipled and found some, you know, crazy rich Asians, you know, on the other side of town. And, uh, but they love Jesus and bringing them all together and, and teaching man, no, we can be one. And, you know, the older, the younger, this is, this is what the world needs to see. And it was just starting to happen. And it was fun. And, uh, and so I hated leaving that. And we all did because, um, I don't know, it was, it was such a stretching experience for me to be teaching in Chinese, which my Chinese is horrible, but it forced me to rely on scripture and go, no, the scripture says that it's, if I think I'm going to use my eloquent words, that's actually going to diminish the power of the cross. Um, I can barely get the gospel out in Chinese, that's good enough, you know, and so that part was good, um, watching my, my uh, second daughter, just, she learned the language pretty quickly, and, 
And uh, before long, when I would preach in Chinese, she would translate into English for me. Like, man, she didn't know a word. It's crazy that those young brains are insane. Um, anyways, uh, all of that was good. And but we're we're bummed because we just love these people, and this isn't what we expected. And it was kind of sudden, but we're like, no, God's sovereign, He's in control. And we're praying, you know, just as a family one morning, and I'm going. Guys, look at God's grace right now. Look at us as a family. We're sitting here worshiping, singing to him, praising him. None of us have a home. Like no one knows where they're going. And no one has a house anywhere. No one has a plan. We just know we have to leave Hong Kong in, in, a, in a few weeks. And no one's worried. I go, look at us. We're just sitting here like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to Ireland. Yeah, I guess I'll go to, you know, L.A. Yeah, I guess I'll go to Africa or maybe Indonesia. I don't know. You know, we'll figure it out next week. And everyone's at so much peace. I just go, gosh, this is God's grace. I go, you know how this feels as a, as a grandfather to look at your children and they'll just go anywhere in the world and they have no home right now. And they're at peace. Like, this is grace. This is this is the grace. Grace is not, oh, oh, guess what? We all got our visas and everything's great. Um, I mean, yeah, that's grace. But I go, nothing compares to knowing the spirit is in your lives. He's in our lives. And we're at perfect peace at a time when most human beings would be freaked out. I mean, they wouldn't have come in the first place. But then to go through this and have so much joy, it's like I'm just telling my family, man, I love this family. I love what God has done. This is the grace of God. But um, I was thinking about that. And, and so now, you know, I've got, you know, my son-in-law in Ireland with my second daughter. I got um, my, my oldest daughter with my son-in-law in the in LA area. And then we're here in San Francisco right now. Um, we reapplied, they haven't yet. Um, but I think, I think my part of the family is going to be able to get back in and, and continue the work, but I don't know. I don't know. There may be some things he wants me to do in the U S because I just finished this book on unity and I, I've got so much faith now, like way more faith than when I started writing this book. Okay, so when I started writing, I was just thinking, okay, I got to do my part because I see in scripture, God wants the church to be one. This is his desire and revival is not going to happen until that happens I, from the way I understand scripture, um, that it's when we're perfectly one, then the world's going to believe that, uh, that uh, Jesus was sent from the father. And so I've, I just thought I need to do what I can do um, because this is what God wants is what he saved us for. But in, in my mind, I just felt like, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I just want to be found busy going for it when he returns. Um, but then the more I studied the scriptures, I'm going, no, this could totally happen. Um, and I know there's like thousands of denominations right now and, all these splinter groups and all these individuals that think that they're the only ones that have it right. Um, 
And that's what I kept looking at in the flesh, like, it can't happen. I know these guys too well. All I got to do is shake hands, you know, with the wrong guy and they're going to blast me. Like, how how can we all become one um, when there's so many people that are divisive like that? It just seemed like an impossible thing. But the more I studied, the more I prayed, I thought, no, Lord, this is your will. What was impossible was to bring us to peace with you, and yet you did it. And you went to great, ridiculous, outrageous lengths to bring peace between you and us. Um, so why wouldn't I believe that you would, that you wouldn't go to great lengths to make us all one like you desire and whatever that takes. Um, you want this oneness and, and you said, I and them, you and me, that they may be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. You know, it was your prayer that we would be brought to complete unity so that the world may know. And that's his method. I know we talked about that last time, but again, I just was hammering that in, in Hong Kong because I'm telling these people, look, you are so good at getting things done, but you suck at relationship. Like, I, this, is, this is ridiculous, but it's a great opportunity for the church because when, you know, a place in like Hong Kong where the typical Asian mindset, parents to child, like a I man grew up in this. I mean, zero relationship with that, zero, not a single conversation, you know, felt nothing toward him. And, and I'm looking at mom and dad and they don't really feel anything toward each other. It's just responsibilities, but we get it done and we're responsible and we'll leave something for the next generation. And, and there's, no, there's no lack of work ethic. And, and I'm telling them, I go, here you guys even like preaching revival, revival, we're going to do this, we're going to start a revival. And I go, you guys are trying to create revival without relationship, which Jesus said, it's the relationship and the oneness that leads to the revival. But you're in such a hurry, because that's what Chinese do, we get things done quick. And, uh, you, you know, we got COVID, let's build a hospital next week put everyone in there and take care of the thing. I mean, we just get it done. I go, but we're terrible at relationship. And scripture is saying like, no, we get it done through relationship. And it's going to take time and it's going to be hard. Um, but, but what a great opportunity in the church and with our you know crew of people there in Hong Kong. It's like, man, look how close we are. Um, I don't know if I shared with you a few weeks ago. I don't know what group I shared with, but, you know, I had a bunch of pastors praying at my house and, you know, and, and we're pretty, uh, some of them are pretty prophetic and, and, you know, some of that's newer to me, but as we're praying, I feel like the Lord saying, you know, have a sleepover and you know, understand pastors don't even go to others, other pastors' houses. 
Like the only time you'll ever meet with another pastor is at his office and they will have an agenda laid out for your time to make sure it's not wasted. And here's this guy from America going, I don't know, guys, as we're praying, I felt like God said slumber party to me. Um, and I go, I just was embarrassed to even bring it up. Like, you just don't say something. This is so insane to them that they're even in my house praying. And now I'm saying to these full grown pastors, let's have a sleepover, <laughs> you know, and it's all these, these pastors and their wives and my house isn't big. It's like 900 square feet. And, you know, I've already got, you know, all my kids and, you know, um, and some other people living there. And we just bought a bunch of mats. They're like, when, when? I go, tonight, let's just cancel everything and have a sleepover. And we did. And it was just the funniest thing. Um, you know, it was just such a picture. Like, we don't have to do things the way it's always been done. I doubt there's ever been a pastor sleepover in Hong Kong. Um, but it was just, it was just so fun. And, uh, and just seeing like, we don't have to be like the world. In fact, this is our opportunity right now when the church is getting so divided or the world is getting so divided. Wouldn't this be the time when God brings the church together and shows something different? We have such an opportunity and I'm just ready to fight for it. I have a childlike faith that it can happen. Um, and, you know, one of the chapters in the book was about the fellowship of the lukewarm. And I go, here's, you know, like, like Paul says to the Corinthians, he goes, yeah, I hear there's divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. In fact, this divisions have, they must exist so that those who are sincere can be separated. You know, it's, there is going to be a division, but the only way we're going to have perfect unity is when we divide from those who are not sincere, from those who are lukewarm, who aren't really saved. The problem is we're trying to become one with people who haven't really surrendered their lives to Jesus. It's not about denomination. Um, it's not about these technical points of theology. It's about in your heart, you have not surrendered to God. You don't see the beauty of the cross. You're, you're, you're not like Zacchaeus where you're just ready to just give everything because you're so freaked out that God is in your life. Because when Zacchaeuses meet with one another, they can become one. But when Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler try to have fellowship, it doesn't work out. Um, and so you get a bunch of uh, missionaries who have, you know, had their arms chopped off or whatever, you put them in a room and there'll be unity. But you throw in some, you know, cool skinny jean guy, uh, it, you know, that's just, hey, Jesus, your buddy, like, it's going to be hard for real fellowship to take place suddenly. Um, but there, there is, I think, this desire in those of us who are believers where we want to be one. Um, it doesn't make sense to us that we go, there's no way on earth that God is looking at all of these factions and going, yes, that is exactly what I wanted. That's what I dreamt of when I was on the cross. We know that's not what he wanted. And we desire, we don't like division. We hate 
division. Those of us who really know him, why? Because the spirit hates division. It says we grieve the spirit. We can literally grieve God, Ephesians 4.30, by our divisiveness, by the way we treat one another. And so for those of us when we, who have the spirit is, when we see the division, it grieves us because his spirit is in us. And so I'm going, gosh, it actually shouldn't be that hard. It's those who really have the spirit of God in them. You're going to want this and we're going to pursue this. The issue is being able to let go of those who divide the church. And when the Bible commands us to ignore them, um, to, to, to warn them, warn them again, then have nothing to do with them. And so it's like we have to let go of those people biblically and move on with those who want this oneness. And it's just it's just got me more and more excited. And I just think, gosh, maybe that's why I'm back. And maybe I'm supposed to do something like that for a while and and bring people together and and get back to just really praising God deeply with brothers and sisters and showing a unity that the world doesn't have right now. Um, Because I I think, you know, the world was more unified. I'm talking America. Americans were more unified than the Christians were. Um, You know, they just, they rallied around the same causes and everything. And now that the the country is pretty divided, for the first time in my lifetime, have I seen this much division to this extreme? Um, I go, wow, maybe this is the time the church comes together and we can be a light in the darkness. Um, but it's just fun being, having that childlike faith again and going, God, well, if you sent Jesus to the cross to bring peace between us and you, then you'll do something to bring us all together, your children, because you hate this. And I'm going to keep praying for this and believing in this and saying and doing whatever I can. But now it's not like I'm just going to do my little part and it's not going to work anyways. It's, it's a different attitude. It's like, no, this could happen in my lifetime. Um, I'm believing for it, shooting for it, excited about it. Um, and I guess that's, that's the other thought. It, it kind of pushes me into this next thought that I, I want to share with you is I know a lot of us look at the attractional model of church and go, gosh, that was just weird. You know, it's, you know, let's find the coolest guy and, you know, the best stories and most charismatic personality. And then let's, let's get the hottest band, you know, let's get a good looking girl up there, you know, and dress on the edge and, you know, just saying, go for it. Let's get a crowd in there and energy kids ministries. And, and we're not bashing all of that. We're just going, gosh, that I don't, I don't know if that, I, I just can't see that in scripture. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't do it and you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should. Um, but I just know that there's a contingent that almost became so anti that attractional model that we forget that we are supposed to be attractive. Um, it's just what is supposed to attract the world. Um, in other words, what I'm saying is sometimes we can almost become like negative people, like 
yeah, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. But then is there anything about us that's attractive to people? You know, like, like Ephesians 5 talks about the spirit-filled person and how he's, he's just thanking God for everything in Christ Jesus. Like he's just always thanking God. And there's always this melody that's going on in his heart to the Lord. And, and when he greets people, it's, you know, it's with these Psalms, hymns, spiritual. So when I read that and I read about how a believer has this joy that's inexpressible and this peace that's beyond comprehension, and he has the power of the Holy Spirit and this love, joy, peace. I'm going, man, we should be super attractive people in that way by our character, by our joy, by our peace, our love. And sometimes we can just be so negative about the attractional big show. And I'm with you. Um, but don't forget, we are supposed to be a light into the world. And to really look at your own self first, to start with yourself and go, man, why would people want to hang out with me? Um, especially if I'm just negative about all these things and talking about everyone's doing it wrong. Like, are they seeing this spirit-filled person that, that, that people would just gravitate to? Um, again, it's not because you're, you're beautiful, um, you know, physically, uh, because I can see you on screen. Um, we, it's, it's, it's like just, Man, you're you're just you're filled with this joy, this love, this excitement for the Lord, this passion, this childlike faith, like you believe. And um I I, I just I know that biblically a lot has to do, and this is what we focused on about our relationships with one another um in the church. I mean, is the church attractive? Um, to the world when they look at your gathering your people do they just look like a family they want to be a part of but it starts with us and that's why I just want to start with ourselves being these spirit-filled people with childlike faith um, that we haven't lost our joy we haven't lost our hope and people just want to be around us because we don't bum them out it's like they leave encouraged and believing and seeing our faith and go, man, if that guy could do that, if she can be like that, I can be like that. And, and then when we gather together, it just spreads that type of encouragement because I know right now it's like, I get it. It's, 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 it can feel like a bummer that even this, we're, we're on Zoom, um, and we don't get to see each other. And, you know, so you may be having your church gatherings like this, some of you, and some of you in your places, maybe it's totally legal still to, to meet in the home. And, and that's great. But it's like, don't let it bum you out because whatever situation you find yourself in, it's, it's perfect. You know, there's something great about it. And I think that's where, you know, for us, it's like, wow, we got kicked out. And we're bummed, like we want to be with those people, but it's perfect. There's some, there's something he wants me to do here right now and uh, something in the U.S. And, and I'm going to figure out, maybe it's just a couple of weeks, maybe it's a couple of months. Maybe I get blacklisted from China. I don't know, um, but it's perfect. It's good. We just fight and, 
And most important thing is that people see that I really have peace, really have joy. And that was the thing that we heard more than anything from the people in Hong Kong. They're, they're just blown away that they go, your family, like they just are crazy about each other. And they genuinely love the Lord. We've never seen family like this. And then now as a church, it's like, wow, we've never been a part of a body like this. It's like, cool, good. That's the picture we should have. And praise God, give all the glory to God for that. So um, yeah, those were mainly my thoughts uh, was just to encourage you guys, man, don't get down during this time. It's very easy to, and I can catch myself wishing things were different. Um, but I, I think I was really good that Rob started with that story um, because, yeah, it, we need to have that attitude. It's perfect. Um, this is no surprise to God. And I just think what a great opportunity we have. Um, I'm not bummed out about the pandemic. That doesn't mean I'm not sad about the people that are dying. Obviously, that there's a part of that that freaks me out. Um, but I just go, no, this is this is our time. This is good. It's a great, great season. Thank you.